Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the last Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clouseau. It's the same. Just thing. say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Are you going to mow the lawn? Your parents are coming over, and you're not even dressed. You promised you were going to leave your wife for me. Don't let this happen to you. Everybody's working for the weekend, but your family and friends are always ruining your days off. Introducing football season, the best way to drown out the ones you love. Watch grown men run into each other head first. Marvel as overweight men chase a bouncing ball. Let the gladiators of today help you disconnect from the worries of the modern world. Get your 2018 college and pro football seasons today and we'll throw in the Sinner and the Saints tailgate show. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light for free. That's right, you'll get two football leagues. Luke Anderson. If you were at the gym and you saw Myers Leonard pull up in a Prius, met him at the swimming pool, but you didn't ever really have a chance to talk to him because he kind of dismisses of you would you leave your name and number in his uh, windshield will darkens i want to see more of the man bag the alligator skin man and two hours you'll never get back every saturday morning for one low price just turn your dial to 1080 the fan Still watching the World Series. We will give you updates as the game progresses. It's going to be another long day. If you're tuning in to start your Ducks coverage right now, you're joining Will Darkens on a marathon. Will, how long are you going to be hanging out for Ducks programming today? I'm going to be in this studio until 2 a.m. That's 2.00. I've already uh, prepped myself with plenty of goldfish and Cetaphil because I'm sure to get a rash on this seat. So, <laughs> are you really there till two in the morning? Two in the morning, Sue. Two in the morning. I'm hoping that you're going to stick to a or stick to a strict drug regimen to keep your mind limber while you're in there. <laughs> what? Is, <laughs> isn't that like some sort of violation? They're like some, like child labor laws or something. Oh, two no. a.m. No, no. You're assuming that we get benefits working here. Oh my lord! Yeah. If you don't recognize that third voice in this fine radio program, that's none other than Big Sue. Hey, everybody! <laughs> we are out at Vancouver Ford. I We're will not be here till two a.m. No, nor nor will I. But I did stay up for the whole marathon that was the World Series last night, so I feel like I put in my time already uh i got to cover a little high school football last night so uh, now the, it's will's turn yeah we're all on that baton death march uh of, of sports it's fantastic isn't it uh we, I, so I, my day started yesterday i filled in uh for dusty and what who, was dusty doing dusty had to go to eugene to catch the charter flight to get to arizona in time to do part of the prep for the game for the uh, whole thing dusty's one of those guys now he <laughs> travels with the team this is the first time i'd heard of it so i filled in uh I he's was filling in, in for joey mack Oh, I was going to say, like, that's not a regular thing, right? Dusty's not, like, on the plane, right? No, he's not on the plane. He doesn't get those credentials. No, I was like, who, who, how does this happen? I was supposed to be in Cal this, this week. I was going to go to the UW game, UW-Cal, yeah. on the UW plane, but they booted me because I was a member of the media. Well, like, how and, does Dusty make that happen? Well, because Dusty's going to be in the back of the plane. Suk, you know from experience they put the people that they think less of in the back of the plane. Yeah, it's all about the back of the plane. Yeah. That's where anything goes. That's Thunderdome back there. Oh, yeah. Dusty high profile enough to get on the plane, not high po- profile enough to be noticed that he's on the plane. Yes. That's a good I point. I think that's the thing. Yeah, I think you, you, you blend in. Yeah, you're a little too high profile. Blend, blend. 
Well, we're out here at Vancouver Ford because it's tailgate day. So come on down, say hi to myself, uh, meet Big Suit, get a picture, pants optional. Uh, you can meet our engineer, Nick. Yeah. Uh, you can meet one of these fine sales folks, and they'll get you into your yeah. new Ford yeah, uh, buy at a, a great price. Buy a Raptor. I see two of them right there. Yeah. We're sitting in the shadow of Raptors down here. Um, <laughs> and for those that don't know, that's a truck. Yes. Yeah. So the F-150 Raptor. It's very, very nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. So uh, we'll be here all day. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Will. Not all day. Will, Will will be, be there yes. all day. Uh, but we'll be here for the next two hours uh, bringing you fine sports content. Yeah, we're here until 11, and then I'm going to go over to the mall and buy some lotion. <laughs> I partly brought Ooh. up the fact that I did Dusty and Cam. That's yes. happening, by the way. I'm not lying. <laughs> I've <laughs> got a date after this at Ooh. the Bed Bath & Beyond. So wait, well, you've got some teakwood lotion that needs to be purchased. <laughs> now, are you getting lotion? Beyond section. <laughs> are you getting lotion for your lady friend? Is this kind of a thing where you're trying to impress her, or is this like a actual personal uh, hygiene thing for you? I'm not a cologne guy. <laughs> okay. Body spray guy, which if you are thinking about, like, if you're a kid and you're going to wear Axe, um, don't. <laughs> uh, second, no. And then third, find yourself something that doesn't make you smell like the Jersey Shore. So instead of cologne, I just wear, like when I get out of the shower, I just put on some lotion. You find a nice uh, woodsy scent, if you will. Rub mm. that on, and you have a subtle smell all day long. Ooh. And I found something years ago at Bed Bath & Beyond, and it's like it's the mahogany teak wood. You throw a little bit of that on after the shower, and you smell like a forest the rest of the day. And people love it. That explains why I keep moving my chair a little bit closer to you yeah. every second without even knowing why. I That's get this hot. all the time. <laughs> people like the way the big bear smells. <laughs> people give it to me all the time. They're like, man, that smells great. What is it? And I'm like, Bed Bath & Beyond. And I'm, uh, I'm fresh out. So oh. after the, I'm in the shadow of the Vancouver Mall at Vancouver Forge. You know, doodle on over there. Pick me up a couple bottles. You're gonna have yourself a nice American weekend at a car dealership, then going to the mall to buy some yep. soap. Well, you've had, the, you've had quite the week. You started off the week by nearly dying. I uh, did. I had a 103-degree <laughs> fever. Yeah. And uh, I had to put the ice blanket on, like, at the doctor's office to, like, cool me off. It was a, it was a whole thing. Yeah, and then you went uh, then you, then you went in and you muscled through a two-hour solo show. You yeah. ended up doing a casino I, show. I've been You're to, at a car dealership. You're, you, are, you are living the American dream. I have been to the doctor five times this week, <sighs> including a specialist, and may have to have my tonsils out next week if this doesn't, uh, if this doesn't clear up. You're getting your tonsils taken out. Look it, at you. You're finally a, uh, what, 13-year-old boy. A pair of a 13-year-old girl in this case. <laughs> when you take your tonsils lotion. out, are you going to put them in a jar and preserve them? <laughs> I'm hoping. I guess, like, when you're an adult, taking your tonsils out is a big deal. Ooh. Yes. Like, it's it's not it's not just, like, this couple days. I mean, it can be weeks. Ooh. And so we're trying to, to avoid that. But I've got a uh, – I got strep. Ooh. And it ended up, like, in my tonsils, and they can't get the infection out. I've been on four different antibiotics and some steroids. So I'm going all anabolic. I'm going to do some Dynaball. Nice. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Going to take up uh, amateur bodybuilding. There you go. So, no, but, like, I'm on – today's the first day that I haven't felt, like, total hell. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed are on a new antibiotic, some sort of, like, super one that, like, use, they use to fight, like, MRSA and stuff. Yikes. So if this doesn't work, I'm in a, I'm in a world of trouble. So <laughs> well, this might be a stupid question, but I imagine what the hell are your tonsils for? Uh, Did you get the answer this week? That had been my first question to the doctor. <laughs> is, what the hell do I have them for? Sometimes well, you, don't. you don't have tonsils. I actually don't have them. Will's a, Will's a perfectly evolved human being. <laughs> yes. Like he doesn't that, have wisdom teeth out. or tonsils. Yeah. yeah. I totally buy into that. I went to high school with a kid that had two sets of wisdom teeth. The second one came in behind his well, the first one. Well, I guess like, the same thing. Like You can take your tonsils out and they can regrow. Ooh. Yeah, I guess your body's like, F you, I'm growing these things. I think it's just to protect your windpipe, protect your throat, gotcha. and it's part of your lymph node system. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, I've, it's been a rough week, but here I am trudging on mainly because I want to go get lotion afterwards. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I get halfway to the lotion, then yeah, uh, that'll look, save me some time later The lotion on. needs to go in the basket. <laughs> I've been out for like a week, and that's not going to stand. Well, there you go. So if you turned in for hot tonsil talk, you found it right <laughs> yes, here on 1080 did. The Fan. Um, th th 
the, part of the reason that I brought up uh, being on Dusty and Cam yesterday <laughs> is we were talking about the 7.30 p.m. kick time. Yeah. And, I mean, this feels like after a rough week for Ducks and Duck fans, this feels like a little salt in the wound of losing to Washington State. It's like, go to Arizona. We'll put you on sometime around midnight Eastern. Well, we can talk. Will can speak to this. I, I don't know if he's any different than, than I am, but I hated playing at night. Yeah. Because you, you, you wake up, you know, you, you have team meetings and stuff. You wake up, you go to breakfast. Then you wake up at, you know, they may let you sleep in a little bit, but these guys are going to be up at 8.30, you know, 8 in the morning. And then you just sit around all day long in a hotel. Like, you remember, these guys are on the road, so you were just sitting in a hotel. I think now sometimes they'll, like, maybe go see a movie or something. But, but well, I hated playing night games so, so much. I actually did play a night game in Arizona one year, and uh, it does really suck. And the worst part about it is coming home because the whole week after that is completely yeah. screwed up. As you might think, like, oh, well, then we won't have meetings tomorrow, right? Because we're going to no. get in at 3.30 or 4 a.m. No, you're going to have meetings no. tomorrow. They're just going to no. schedule them a little later. Uh, so yeah. you got to be at the facility at 9. You get a couple hours sleep, and your whole week is completely destroyed. And, I mean, Luke's right about this is that, you know, you're coming off of a really difficult week already with a couple injuries to some guys. C.J. Verdell, you don't know if he's going to be completely fresh for this game. So it, 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 it has all the smells of a trap game. Now the plus side is Arizona stinks. If this was a <laughs> if this was a good team, I think I'd, I'd be worried about it. But I, I I just we were talking about this, and I think Dirt and Sprague is the ones that, that first brought this up. I'll give them credit for it. And and if you if you look at the Pac-12, I I really do believe that there's five teams that are just different. If you want to throw USC in there, when USC's healthy, uh, you know they're, they're capable. But I, I think their coach is a boob and. You know, they're on their third-string quarterback. But if you let's throw USC in just for the sake of, you know, there's six in the north, six in the south, right? Yeah. Separate that. It's it's not north and south. You have six haves and you have six have-nots. Well, I hate to do this, but you have six haves, you have five have-nots, and then you have one that's just, look, it's it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, there's just sorry, a, Will. There's just a, it's a rebuild. They're just, oh, I'm they're aware. Not cap- yeah, uh, they're just not capable of no. winning games. Just, you're just not right yeah. now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're just... There isn't enough. It's there's no cattle, nope. right? I mean, it's the it's the it's the all you know, all hat no cattle. Well, that, that's that's Oregon State right now, and, and and that's not their fault. It's just it's it's a product of of the past two systems. But if you look at at the, the let's say the six halves, which are Oregon or uh, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Washington State, Washington, and if you want to throw USC in, all of the losses to those teams in conference have come to those other yeah. group of six. Um, you haven't seen one of those other six jump up and get them. I'm not going to say it can't happen. I think Colorado may be capable of it. Arizona State may have something for someone if you if you don't you know bring it on a certain night. But I, I do think that there is a pretty good separation between those, especially five and and the bottom six and i think arizona to me obviously falls in that bottom so unless oregon comes out and just has their head squarely planted i i I just this game doesn't worry me that much uh yeah maybe close for a little bit i don't think arizona has the firepower or the defense to hang for four quarters with oregon and and i feel like in the second half oregon will put their foot on their throat and just you know, and, and do what has, has to be done. Well, I think the other thing that we've noticed from the two Oregon losses is that they they kind of get themselves, right? I mean, yeah. in, at the end of the Stanford game, they just kind of choked under the pressure, yeah. right? They couldn't hold the lead, no, and, no and it was, but it was self-inflicted wounds, and yeah. it was perfect bounces for Stanford. Yeah. And then last week, I mean, the second half, if they played two halves like that, I think they beat Washington State. Yeah. But they didn't get going until after you yeah, know the, the I, midway point. And that's my point is I don't know if Arizona has like if, if if you Oregon played a poor fourth quarter against Stanford and that lost the game and they played a poor first half against Washington State. You couldn't recover from either one of those. I don't think a poor quarter or a poor half will kill them against Arizona the way it will against some of those other teams. The one that yeah. worries me right now is is Utah for sure. I don't know if you saw last night in between the again speaking of the the. 19-hour death march, which was the World <laughs> Series, Utah just laid it on UCLA. There were some people that thought maybe UCLA was was getting ready to kind of turn a corner. 
Yeah, that did U- not happen. Utah alley whipped them in their own backyard, and that's the one. If I'm Oregon, that I'm I'm worried about. If you want to say trap game or whatever, it's that's just a damn good football team. That that's the one that would worry me. Well, the the, the other thing is the way that Oregon bounced back against Washington yep. when you had you know the the loss to Stanford. I, I, you got the bye week going into it, but it looked like it was a different team when they got to that overtime period. Because yeah. that was the thing against Stanford is is they had that overtime period. Justin Herbert had not thrown an incomplete pass. It felt like the entire game. What do you have? Two going into the overtime period, yeah. through three, and then an interception in overtime. But they didn't look like they had any of that poise that you would expect from, you know, a major college football program. But you had a brand-new coach, new coordinators. You have, you know, a, a quarterback that hadn't really been there. Even though Justin Herbert played as a freshman and sophomore, he wasn't in any real big game. He missed so much time. And then you've seen when he when they got into the Washington overtime, he looked more poised. He was he was more deliberate with the decisions he made, and he didn't feel like he had to win it in one play. No, he, did, he did against Stanford. He yeah. was trying to throw it in the end zone on every play. You have a first down to gain, and yeah. you can see how different he was and how different the team was in in a critical moment. And if they can learn from Washington State, they'll come out. I think you know lay it on. I hope Arizona so. finish and, it, and yeah. and then and then be a better team by the time they get to play Utah, and that's what you want from Oregon. Yeah, bury them in the first half. Don't yep. make in a close game go down there and and get wipe them out get up by 30 in the first half and, yep. and and walk away and that's remember this is a young football team mm-hmm. um you know not a lot of experience and and you've seen that you know you, you we saw it in the first half uh, against washington state i think they were a deer in the headlights yep. and so you need to learn you can't get beat by that game twice and so i'll, I'll be disappointed if i don't see a better effort from from oregon coming out of the gates yep. against arizona and and I know they want to establish an identity and run the ball and be physical, but I'd like to see Cristobal turn him loose. Look, you've got yeah. the best, supposedly the best quarterback in college football. Come out early and let the kids sling it. Throw the ball 35 yeah. times in the first half and bury Arizona State. Or bury, excuse me, bury Arizona early. And don't get beat by a scheme like Washington State shifting yeah. on the on the defensive line. When your yeah. guys are better, you should yeah. win those battles. Um, we'll, we may come back to the Ducks. Uh, we'll certainly come back to the Pac-12 later in the show. Um, the last what two weeks we've had seven i think top 10 teams lose so we'll take a look around college football next we'll get into the world series um uh, all, all all the sports you need right here from vancouver fourth on the center and the saint this is 1080 the fan all right welcome back suke and i are out here at vancouver ford will back in the studio if uh you've got any anything to add to this fine program 55305 is the better you today text line um, I gave you guys a tease that we were going to bounce around college football, but during the break, Will gave us a tease about the new great ref name that he discovered during the break. So, Will, take it away. I am right now watching Purdue versus Michigan State, and a Mister should be a Mister Ron Snodgrass <laughs> got on the what? mic to alert us there was a holding call. Ron Snodgrass. Wow. I'll tell you, if that doesn't command respect, sorry, Mr. Snodgrass, I won't hold again. Sounds, How like, dare a villain you? From, sounds like a villain from Willy Wonka. How Snodgrass dare you speak ill of Ron Snodgrass and his uh, wife, hey. Julia Snodgrass? <laughs> Listen, the Snodgrass kids are wonderful. <laughs> They're the Snod- nicest family. Julia Snodgrass is a saint, you hear me? A saint. <laughs> she, she leads this PTA. Without it, this whole system would fall apart. <laughs> Beautiful. <Julia> Snodgrass. <laughs> Now, now uh, what you wouldn't expect is great-looking guy. I would think anybody with the last name Snodgrass, you're just cursed to look um, kind Frumpy. of dweebish. Ah, dweebish. You know, there's not enough. There's not enough people. Plus, his name's Ron. You know, nowadays, and I get it. I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. Some of my kids have, you know, out their names a little bit. Uh, but there's not, enough, there's not enough men now being named Ron and Ted and Al, Bill. We're getting too many archers and Malcolms. We need to go back to the day where we got a guy with a mustache named Ron. You're predisposed to be a truck driver at that point. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Ron's a powerful name. That'll take you right to the the top of the crew for a college football game. Sounds like Ron Snodgrass. Hey, listen, if Ron Snodgrass isn't a truck driver, who's going to be a truck driver named Ron? Maybe that's what he does in his off time. You don't know that. Yeah. I'd like to believe that. Like, if I needed something fixed at my house, I'd call Ron Snodgrass to get it done in Associates. <laughs> if there was a truck driving around that said Snodgrass and Associates, you'd call that yeah. no matter what they fixed. Someone said, hey, dude, your house looks really nice. Who uh, who built that? Ron Snodgrass. <laughs> Stole the, the plumbing, too. 
Yeah. yeah. Banged it out. You should see the detail work in there. I got some wainscoting in there. It's unbelievable. He's also a certified notary, so if you oh. need any paperwork done, he'll take you care of it. You better believe Ron Snodgrass is a certified <laughs> That's notary. Right. Does my taxes. A stamp on that. Don't worry about it. I think we're yeah, expanding like his reach. Yeah. My tax guy is Bill Clive, and I feel that same way. Yeah. Who's doing your taxes? Bill. Yeah. Bill Clive. Bill Clive. Done. I wouldn't trust a Bill Clive with my taxes. No offense, Bill, but Bill Clive sounds like a guy who's hanging around the bar too much. And well, I'm not going to lie. You feel a little dirty when you leave, but I'll tell you what, you're happy with the results. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. How we move on that from that to Clemson, Florida State, I have no idea, but we will do our best. Uh, so I mentioned it before. Over the last couple weeks, you've seen college football do exactly what college football does, right? Just when you think everything's going to go according to script and all of the top teams are going to win all their games and there's, you know, upsets have gone away from college football, it always happens. Inevitably, you have teams that come out and lay an egg. Uh, they just they, they meet a scheme or, or a, a player that just goes off and has one of those great games and you get these upsets. So we've had seven top ten teams lose. Our top three right now is Alabama, who looks unbeatable, but they've looked unbeatable before. I don't think that, you know, it would be the, the world is falling if uh, Tua, who's had kind of a bad knee off and on over the last few weeks, were to stumble. But there's a couple games that set up pretty well for upsets this week. Florida State's been playing a lot better, and they're taking on Clemson. Um, Notre Dame has Navy, but they're, they've got some tough games coming up in the next few weeks. Do you expect it to be these top three teams holding on? <sighs> it's, it, look, I, I've look, you look at Notre Dame, and, and I, that's why I was interested in Navy. I haven't seen a lot of, of, of Navy this year, but they've lost like four in a row. It uh, mm-hmm. looks like they're having a bit of a down year. So Notre Dame, I, I think of the, the remaining teams, I think they have maybe the easiest schedule. So um, I'll, I'll give you Notre Dame's schedule here just for reference if it actually loads. But I know, I know that they still have to play USC. They have to play, play Florida State. Yeah. They've got Boston College, who just had a big win over Miami. So uh, so Navy this week, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC. So not Boston College. They've already played them. Yeah, that's you know, Like I said, there, there's – I mean, there may be some games in there. Like Syracuse uh, can do some stuff on offense. They gave uh, Clemson all they could handle, probably should have beat Clemson. I don't think USC is anything of, of particular note. Florida State has some talent, but they haven't put it together. We'll see what they do against Clemson. Honestly, Notre Dame and Clemson will probably be close to double-digit favorites against every team that they play going forward. Stanford can't run the ball, and I don't think they have enough uh, – I don't think they have enough – sand in their boots on offense you're saying usc oh yeah usc to to beat um to beat notre dame uh just like i was my point was that stanford didn't when stanford went and played them they're just it just wasn't there they hung for a half or so but they just they weren't up notre dame's just better than they are yeah so I, i do think that notre dame can can go undefeated um you know clemson is hasn't looked very good uh, a lot of the times, but if if you look at Clemson the last couple weeks, they're playing a lot better. They yeah. played a pretty good North Carolina State team last week and laid like 41 on them. Yeah, 41-7 last week, week before 63-3 over Wake Forest, and that comes off that 27-23 win over Syracuse. Over that Syracuse. Was, but that was the first game with uh, freshman Trevor Lawrence. He got knocked out of that game. Yep. They bring in their other freshman quarterback. So you feel like maybe Clemson is starting to, to put it together. Yeah. I, I do feel like the college football playoff is one spot. Yeah. I, I feel like it's Alabama. Um, I feel like it's Notre Dame. I do feel like it's going to be yeah. Clemson just because I think they're that much better than everyone else. And I think that, that honestly, uh, Alabama has a, a, a mulligan that they can have. Yeah. I, I really do. I feel like Alabama can get all the way to the SEC title game. And as long as they lose a close game by three points to, let's say, Florida or uh, Georgia from the yeah. other side, I think we we showed it last year. They're gonna get in mm. because I don't think there's a lot of respect from the from the from the other teams. So I I do feel like um, this may be a, a one spot up for bid sort of thing, and and the Big Ten probably has the inside track on that. Yeah. And then I think the the Big Twelve and I think the Pac twelve especially. The Pac twelve is basically out. Look, yeah. there's is almost zero chance of that happening. Well, the only one lost team is Washington, is Washington State. State. And to run the table, they need to beat Stanford this week. Uh, I believe they still have Utah, and then they have uh, Washington. And, and to be fair, even if they did run the table with that, you're still going to need Oklahoma and Texas to lose again. You're yep. still probably going to need West Virginia to lose again. You're going to need the Big Ten champ to be a two-loss champ. There's nine one-loss one teams 
yeah. between them and yeah. the top three. Teams. It's just a, it's a lot to overcome. So it, I, I I do feel uh, at least right now that you're you're going to get those three. You're going to get Notre Dame, the SEC champ Alabama, yeah, and and Clemson, and then you know we'll we'll see what happens in the Big Ten and we'll see what happens in in, in the Big Twelve, but. Yeah, I, I do feel like those are, are the three best teams in college football right now, and as long as they they take care of business. But as you said, we've seen funky stuff happen before. Clemson has lost, you know, at the end of the year they lost to Pitt. Yeah, but you know they hadn't had a loss, and so they were able to overcome. Well, last it. year they lost to Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, but the, the Florida State's one of those. It was teams. It two years ago? Two years ago they lost to Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, it's because they haven't been undefeated, and, no. and and Alabama hasn't been undefeated for a national championship since two thousand nine yeah. when they beat Texas, and that was pre college football playoff yeah. uh, but Florida State's one of those teams that I kind of have circled because they came out of the gates so slow with Willie Taggart they're terrible but the thing about a team like Florida State and USC uh, for, for that matter since they both play against Notre Dame is those guys if they decide to pull the shoot a little bit and go to their you know second team and start putting guys in they're going to be part of their future they have good enough recruiting yeah. that those guys start for most teams in college football sure. anyway so it's not like you have a huge drop off because college football really is about depth the yeah. reason that Alabama's in there every year Clemson has gotten to this level teams like Ohio State is because Ohio State can win a national championship with their third quarterback yeah and, and and they have, you know, it's and and again, I I'll take I'm interested in Will's perspective on this because he he played at a school um, that to me probably had maybe a, a similar situation to to what I felt like when we were at BYU when we had good teams. You know, in my five years there, I felt like we had two really good teams that were legit. Uh, you know, probably top fifteen teams. Twice we got into the top ten. Where, you know, and we would play and we knocked off some Pac-12 teams that were good we beat a Washington team that ended up going to the Rose Bowl you know but when we would go and play Alabama when we played Florida State when we played Notre Dame even when we played Washington uh, I, I, I felt this that the difference between teams in college football is 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 usually this the starting 22 on a on on good teams I'm not going to say the the bottom feeders of the world, but good teams. Let's say the top 15 to 20 teams in the country. The starting 22 isn't that different. Yeah, there's probably two to three guys on the elite teams that you don't have on your roster, right? Maybe that's a quarterback. Maybe it's a linebacker, a wide receiver. Where you're like that guy's playing a different game than the rest of us. You've got you know it just it's. It's, it's 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 just a freak. Those are the guys that go could go into the NFL after yes, sophomore year, after like sophomore the Jadavion Clownies yes. of the world. And you know, you just you look around at that, and like when we played, you know, when we played Florida State, they had, um, you know, they had Tommy Polly, and they had, uh, you know, Dar- or Darnell Dockett and Corey Simon. These guys are all first round picks. And mm-hmm. Alabama it was Sean Alexander. Oh sure, yeah. he was just he was different, and and those guys make a difference. But then the rest of the starting twenty two, it's not that abnormal feel like you know you're pretty competitive but then the problem is is when you get to the next 22 and their next 22 is so much better and so much more athletic than our next 22 and over the course of four quarters and over the course of an entire season that's where you see it it's like when utah came into the pac-12 Utah was the best group of five team we've seen everyone gives Boise State all this credit no Utah was the best Power five team, you know, non-power five, non-power yeah. five team, group of five team. Group of five, yeah. They had been to, to a couple BCS games. They had beaten Alabama. Uh, they had had finished undefeated when they with Alex Smith. That was a really good team. And they get to the Pac-12, and they've been a seven to eight win team, not because of the starting twenty-two, but because they can't find a quarterback. Yep. They can't find one or two difference makers, and the depth of it. Yeah. And so I think when you're you're talking about the Clemsons of the world. When Clemson goes and plays someone, you know, in their conference, it's not as if they just overwhelm everybody. But over the course of a season in four quarters, you you see that. And I I think when, you know, you you can say that about most teams, even in the the Pac-12. You know, when Oregon State plays USC, and that's why I was interested in Will's take, when you guys played USC, did you feel like to a man you were just overwhelmed by USC? No, I think – when we played USC and we beat them when they were number one, I always had the feeling that it was 
because we beat them because of the fact that we had so much raw talent and dudes that were overlooked guys like Victor Butler, Andy Levitri, uh, Al Afalafa dudes who were overlooked in high school that really were five-star talents that saw this national stage and went, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this and show why I should be in, you know, the NFL. And right. so I, I would attribute that really to the biggest reason we beat them. The only team I ever felt like that about was Penn state. When we played Penn state and just got yeah. walloped by them, yeah. that was actually the game before SC. They just had a squad, dude. I, I mean, it, it was just quality player after quality player. And after the first quarter, we pretty much knew that we weren't going to win. Yeah. At least in my mind, I kind of just started to look at the landscape <laughs> and see that, yeah. yeah, we're not as good as this team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but from, that's waves of players yeah. that come at you. But yeah. there's, but again, there's teams that, that aren't necessarily playing well. I mean, you mentioned the coaching of, of Clay Helton at yeah. USC. They have those guys. Florida yeah. State has those guys, but they have a new coach. Uh, we'll get more into college football in the second hour. I do want to talk about last night's 18-inning World Series game. So we'll do that next. Dive into some good versus evil to finish out the first hour. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on Tenny the Fan. Here's Will. We are truly tailgating today out of Tailgate Days, Vancouver Ford, just off of SR500 in Vancouver. Swing by, say hello to myself, Sue, our shirtless uh, engineer, Nick, just running around. Not sure why he took his shirt off, but... I don't know. He's ready to pregame. He's ready to tailgate. He's that. He's that guy at the tailgate. He's he seriously taking his shirt off. Yeah, I'm he, not sure why. I think he works out. Yeah. Look at that bod. Yeah. You, you can tell when you roll in that he's a man that takes his physical fitness seriously. Yeah. There's no joke. So come down, uh, meet the crew, uh, join the show. We'll let you guys do a segment, whatever you want. You know to what do. they need sure. to do is they need to get Nick shirtless on the uh, hood of one of those Raptors. Ooh, there we, we can go. make that happen. I do think we could. That's the timeless art of seduction, right? Yeah, wanna, we'll see you, if we can find a tiger skin rug to lay down on the hood first, nice. and then lay him across. Let me tell you something. You want to move those raptors off the lot? You need the shirtless Nick out there, just washing with his wet pod. I'll tell you what, Will. If this uh, radio thing doesn't work out for you, I think you get into the car business. You just sold me a raptor. Advertising. Sure. <laughs> uh, a couple update deals. Nick uh, closes him. <laughs> Couple updates from our last segment. Uh, <clears throat> one from five five three zero five. Better you today. Text line. Fred Snodgrass was a great outfielder for the New York Giants, circa nineteen tens. <laughs> no, really. Yes. So there's your Snodgrass update. Now for your Ron update. This guy knows two guys named Ron. One is a truck di- driver. The other a Finnish carpenter. See. So there you go. You want your kid to have a career? You name him Ron. <laughs> That's absolutely the way to do it. Uh, I, have a, I have a buddy that just had a little boy named George Joseph. George. The kids can do just See? fine in the world. Need more Georges than Al's. Yeah. Ron's of the world. Ted. Um, a follow-up on your uh, the, the conversation, but your insight into college football there, Souk, just talking about you know teams that don't have the depth to finish games, finish seasons. Uh, this guy says, Souk, I think that's – your point is why Washington State always seems to fade towards the end of the year. They don't have the depth to absorb injuries that teams like Washington do. Yeah, that and you know a lot of times too that when you play, I'm not gonna, a, a gimmick. I think that's a it's a crappy way to say it. I, I don't I don't like calling something a gimmick offense, but let's let's say that it's a a unique system, mm-hmm. right? There's Washington State can only beat you one way. And yeah. This I'll even go back with when when Chip Kelly was at Oregon and. Boy, that run was amazing. Uh, but that offense had had th- – there wasn't a lot to it. There was one thing about it that made it really difficult. And that was the pace of play. And that was the pace of play, right? And, and they ran it really well, and they put pressure on you. But if you can find uh, a team that has the kryptonite for that one thing, you can get derailed. And, and that's the problem. Like with, with Washington State, yes, they don't have the depth. If you do get beat up, you just – you don't. I promise you that the next 22 for Washington State is nowhere near what their starters are and, and what some of the other elite teams in college football. But, like, when they have a Washington problem, like, like Chris Peterson dominates them because of what Washington State does, it gives them issues. They can rush three and four, and in the past they've been able to put pressure on Luke Falk, and their secondary is so good, and they can just play everything under uh, everything in front and they can take away that little crossing route, and they're such sheer tacklers, yeah. and they're so sideline to sideline speed, and, and Washington State doesn't have the ability to beat them over the top. They just make them play in a phone booth, and it and, and Washington State's offense isn't 
able to do anything. There's no adjustments to be made. They, from a, a, a scheme standpoint, just give Washington State fits. Mm-hmm. And that scheme that Washington State runs doesn't really have the ability to adapt. It's, it, you can't really be multiple. And that's why I do think that some of those teams that run um, specific schemes, whether it be air raid or tempo or whatever, back in the day, wishbone, West Coast offense, you know, whatever. Paul, you, Paul Johnson running the, the yeah, triple option. You know, like, if again, if, if you run the wishbone back in the day and you're Nebraska or Oklahoma, it was great. But if you fell behind, yep. you're hooped because yep. you can't play from behind in those offenses. Yeah. And and that's and, and not that you can't be successful, not that you can't win national championships that way, but the, the teams that are the most dangerous are the ones that have multiple ways to beat you. And, 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 more often than not, those teams are, are the ones that end up being uh, being national champions. Well, and Will, you've been saying this all year about you know your Oregon State Beavers is you just need to get the guys in there. And and when you watch that team play, even against Cal, who I think suffering from this a little bit last week, Cal with you know year two of Justin Wilcox, he's going from the bear raid to he's been a defensive coordinator his entire career. Yeah. So now you have to switch personnel. But I mean. Just getting the guys in there, that's always been your point, right, Will? Well, not only that, but it's the idea that when you get a new coach in there, there's at least going to be a, what, 40, maybe sometimes 50% attrition rate where you just have guys who don't want to listen to the new coach, who don't want to listen to Jonathan Smith. Now, I I would say that it's not that high with Jonathan Smith because it seems like everybody's bought into the scheme and bought into the culture that he's trying to implant there. But at the same time, you know there's guys who – you know, were recruited there from Gary and liked Gary and liked his message and don't want to hear anything different. And so that's another challenge that he has to face uh, on top of the fact that none of those guys are really that good. And so (laughs) once you, you know, get the JC recruiting class in, you actually inject just talent in there. Uh, I, I mean, you should see some slow improvement, but what I've said about Oregon state, I'll repeat over and over and over again until we've come to that date, which is just five years, just give it five years. Yeah. That's it. And well, it, that parallels a little bit of what we saw with Washington State. I mean, when Mike Leach came in, they were, what, a four-win team, and it, it took time to get guys in that not only played his system, but then you get guys, you know, like like Hercules last year who was a disruptor on the defensive yeah, guys side. Guys that look and the part. That, I, that are Pac-12 players and can play for any team. I'll tell you, a number of years ago, uh, my best friend, is a he's a he's a diehard Husky fan. And so sorry. We, yeah, I'm sorry to hear we that. We go up, and, and, and so I – you know, we, we used to go up to a Washington game or, or two a year. Went up to the Apple Cup a number of years ago when it was, like, what, two wins between them, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember standing on the field before the game, and I think Washington went winless that year. I think that was their year in Washington State. It was Paul Wolf had one or two wins. And I remember standing on the sidelines and just being like, my God, what what is this? <laughs> he just you looked around and it's usually not skill positions. It's usually in the front seven and along the offensive line. It was embarrassing how bad both of those lines looked. Yeah, they they were fat. They were out of shape. They looked like high school offensive linemen. They looked like kids. You can tell a, a high school offensive lineman from a college offensive lineman just in their body type. It's is very it, dope. It's 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 baby fat. It's interesting yeah. that you say that because there, even when uh, we would play Washington, I remember yeah. the very first year that we played them in my class was that you saw that offensive line and they looked huge yeah, because uh, they were overweight and fat. We were like, oh, my gosh. And then you realize they can't move at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, the edge rush is pretty effective against them. And that continued my entire time there. It almost felt yeah. like Washington was just stuck in this rut of 1990s football about, dude, if you're huge, just Let's put you in there and see what happens. Yeah, it was it was just it was really bad. And yeah. and you could see it as both of those programs dug their way out. It was what Will was saying is you had to make you just you can see you will see the physical transformation. If Jonathan Smith is the right guy, you will just start to see year to year when you go and you watch Oregon State play in person cuz it's harder to tell on TV. Uh, but when you're in person, you will start to see just a physical shift and the way they look, especially with the, 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 the horses up front. And you saw this with Washington. You saw it with Washington State. You saw it with Colorado. When Mike McIntyre took over, I don't think people remember how bad it was mm-hmm. in Colorado. The other one that people don't remember is when I first did I've been doing this for 15 years. When Stanford was Walt Evans and Buddy Harris. <laughs> yeah. we, we put a, a – I refuse to mention Stanford football on this program. 
I said, I will not do it until Stanford actually gets a football team. Yeah. They opened their new stadium at Stanford. They redid their stadium a number of years ago. Like 15,000 people showed up, and they lost to UC Davis. And I don't remember if that was Walt Stevens or Buddy Harris. I forget which one it was. But I remember at the time I was like, we will not mention Stanford football again because that's not football. Yeah. They Same thing. And you could see it. Once Harbaugh took over, there was that physical shift. You can say all you want about mentality and – you know, and, and scheme and, and shift and all in and, and, and the culture of a program, nothing will change until you get athletes that can actually compete against the other Pac-12 athletes. And when you watch Oregon State right now on the defensive side of the yep. ball, offense, I actually think that, you know, they, they run the ball real well and you've got some real good backs and the line's playing okay. So I'm saying look out on the defensive side of yep. the ball. You will not find a smaller and more ineffective group in, in the last eight years in the Pac-12, they just – and it's not their fault. Yeah. They just physically cannot get off blocks. They cannot get knocked off the line of scrimmage. They just get mauled. And until that changes, it doesn't matter how good your coach is. It doesn't matter, you know, what, yeah. what sort of mentality you have. You, you do not have the athletes right now on the defensive side of the ball to win a game in the Pac-12. Well, and that's the change that Oregon's trying to make, a team that wins with scheme, that wins with guys in the trenches. Yes. Uh, so let's put a pin in that, and we'll, we'll talk about Oregon's transformation from uh, the blur offense to a team that's, I think, trying to build a line and a defensive front that can compete for national championships. Uh, we'll start the second hour with that, and we'll do it right after we do good versus evil. That is next on the Center and the Saint, 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. They're getting a 24-year-old wide receiver who has a lot of talent, who struggled to catch on and make the type of impact that a lot of people thought. He's not an alpha male like a lot of wide receivers. He's more quiet. He's more reserved. He's more laid back. That was your best friend from college who could never drink as much as he boasted, Adam Schefter. He's squeaking about the big trade in the NFL this past week. The Dallas Cowboys traded a 2019 first-round pick to acquire Pro Bowl wide receiver Amari Cooper. The former first-round pick has struggled lately, grabbing only 22 catches for 280 yards and one score this season. His lack of production might also be attributed to the dumpster fire that is John Gruden's offense. Who do you think won this trade in the long run? Cowboys or Raiders? Oh, boy, that's a tough decision because for the long run, it looks like John Gruden's not going anywhere. They're only paying him, what, $100 million over the next decade with the Raiders. And it looks like he's just trying to rebuild, so they're trying to add as many picks as seems like a good strategy because the NFL keeps showing us that the younger you can be, uh, the better it is. There's not a lot of old teams that go out and win. Even the Patriots who win with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they continue to get younger. They don't they don't add a ton of old guys to their team. They, they always kind of shuffle those guys off. Yeah, so they sprinkle I, them in. I, I think it's the Raiders because if, you, if there's a organizations that's more dysfunctional, it's Jerry Jones and the Cowboys because he can't get his hands out of the cookie jar. The Raiders are stupid. I think Gruden will take this thing into the ground, but that's real good value he got. A, a, a first-rounder for yeah. Amari Cooper, I, I don't have a problem with that, especially when you are rebuilding you're not going anywhere. I think there is a lot of value in this. But Amari Cooper, if he can really be a true number one for, for Dallas, this may be one of those that works out for, for both. Because I think Dallas is saying, you know, we need to figure out what Dak Prescott is. Yeah. And, you know, he's, you know, say what you want about Des Bryant. Des Bryant was the closest thing they had to a true number one receiver. And, you know, they, you know that Des Bryant was towards the end, and they've replaced him with Amari Cooper. So I think it could be work out for both sides. This was a really high price to pay. Well, Houston is all in on trying to win a championship uh, with this core of veterans. James Harden, Chris Paul, and four first-round picks is the most you can put in a deal. We just heard from a man that's been following you at a safe distance for the past month, Adrian Wojnarowski. He's giving us the latest hot Jimmy Butler news. 
that we so crave all the time. ESPN reported this week the Houston Rockets are now inquiring about the All-Star Guard, offering the Minnesota Timberwolves four future first-round picks. The Rockets would be giving up a lot, but it's fair to say they are in win-now mode. Butler becomes a free agent at the age of 29 next season. Do you guys think this offer is crazy or on point for the Rockets? Both, I guess. I mean, NBA first-round picks are not created the same as NFL first-round picks. If you're picking outside of the top ten, they don't have nearly the value or nearly the success rate. And this is weird, too, because the the picks are every other year. The NBA doesn't allow you to do consecutive year first-round picks. So this would be four picks over seven years. You would assume the first pick in that in in 2019 would be a high first-round pick because the Rockets are a good team. Uh, And then if you can re-sign Jimmy Butler, then the second pick ends up being a late first-round pick. And by the time you get into the, the, you know, 2021 or 2023 picks, you've hopefully made a championship run and gotten everything you can and kind of, uh, you know, bled this turnip dry. So I I, I can see why you would do it. The NBA, the picks move around so freely, you probably end up getting them back anyways. I just don't know if if a team with Chris Paul, James Harden, and Jimmy Butler – are better than the Warriors. I don't think they are. So it's well, good and bad. Well, and it's no weird. one's better than the Warriors. Um, to me, if you, if you get him to re-sign, then I, I like what Houston's doing in that they're not playing for second place, mm-hmm. right? Houston is looking at this and saying, look, we don't care about seven years down the road. We've got a window here, and we feel like we're close, and we're going to go for it. And if, if you feel like Jimmy Butler is the guy that can, that can put you over the top, you know, how would you feel if the Blazers made that move right now? If they be, offered four first-round picks, I think I'd be okay be with it. Be fine with it, yeah. right? It's like we, we, you're tired of being in purgatory. Yeah. You know, the, I, I don't have a problem with anyone being aggressive. I don't think you can do that if you don't. If Jimmy Butler's not going to re-sign yeah. with you. Yep. Four we're, in front of Oracle, uh, we're in front of Oracle uh, Arena and our fans here and all the Dub Nation. It's always special to have a night like tonight where everything's clicking. Uh, just want to embrace it and uh, more of a gesture of appreciation because uh, this is a great place to play. That was a child who snuck onto the floor and played surprisingly well, Steph Curry. The former MVP had himself a night during a 144 to 122 win over the Wizards this past week. Steph dropped 51, going 11 for 16 from behind the arc, effectively moving up to fifth place on the NBA's all time three point list. The young NBA season has provided plenty of scoring and stellar pr- play from guys like Steph and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has uh, notched a couple triple doubles between these two players. And let's just make sure really quick. Yeah, it is October. Who do you think has a better chance of winning the MVP? Antetokounmpo <laughs> uh, has a better chance because he's not playing with uh, another MVP candidate on his team. To follow up the the 51 points, uh, Durant went and scored how many did he score in that quarter? He set his own personal record for scoring in a quarter. Uh, he, he hasn't won a finals MVP since Durant got there. And and when you play with a team that, that is that good, it's kind of like, you know, going best player, best team gets the MVP. I think that's a lot harder to pick, especially when you look at Harden and Westbrook getting it the last two years. Yeah, Steph already won his two MVPs. Yep. And in order to, to, to win another one on that team, you're asking a lot. Yep. So I'm with you. I think I'll go with the Greek freak. But Steph Curry, believe it or not, is underappreciated. I would agree with that. He has changed yep. the way the game is played. For sure. All right, now time for my favorite story of the week. And this one comes from South Africa. Well, South, South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. All right, check it out. Human urine has been used to create environmentally friendly bricks by university students in South Africa. They combine urine with sand and bacteria in a process that allows the bricks to solidify at room temperature. Quote, it's essentially the same way that corals made in the ocean. Dylan Randall, their superior at the University of Cape Town, told the BBC, normal bricks need to be baked in high temperature kilns that produce large amounts of carbon dioxide. So this is a more environmentally friendly way of producing uh, piss bricks. That is fantastic. Well, uh, I really don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Will, Will, I must say, you've stepped up your favorite story of the week game the last yeah. couple weeks. First off, do we do, does the, do hmm, so much questions? <laughs> do the bricks <laughs> smell? Is your yeah, first that's, question? Yeah, that's what yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Like, are we, are we, and how much are we? Are the, is this cheaper? 
Can I make my own pea bricks? Sure, how of do, course. How, how does all this work? Well, I'm, I'm it's confused. like they said. You need to go get yourself some sand, drink a bunch of water, maybe yeah. some bacteria, and you're in business. Well, here's my question for you, Will. Into a mold, and I got a brick. But not all pea created equal. I mean, yeah. do I need the asparagus pea that leaves me kind of just a little uncomfortable with my own bodily functions? Yeah. Or is is like uh, the fourth Miller Lite pea going to be sufficient enough you know, to co- make a quality you brick? You know what we call that? That's championship pea. Did you have you ever seen the crystal clear pee? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Texas? So the, yeah, the, the boss man put that up in the urinal. Yeah, the, the urinals. There's like a, above all the urinals in Texas, they've got a thing. It's a chart, and you, when you pee, you're supposed to look at it, and it tells you what your pee means. And if you if you have like the dark, like dehydrated pee, it says like selfish teammate. Yeah. But if you have the crystal clear Miller Lite pee. Calls that championship piss. Yeah, that's the Odell Beckham pee. It's yeah. the one I don't like water pee. No, that's that's, that's selfish, selfish pee. Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I I swear I do this every time since I've heard that story. Whenever I pee and it's clear, I, in my head I'm like championship piss. <laughs> I I'd go play at Texas. But but will we need to know if that makes a championship brick? Because yeah. you can't build a home you know on a poor foundation. No. And uh, I need yeah. to know what kind of pee you need. To make the best quality bricks. Well, what I, I, I would like to say up. is that if you made your home or a building out of piss bricks, you have to <laughs> place a prop bet up of what's it going to take before somebody walks in and goes, smells like piss in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but and then it, you're like, thank you. It's the bricks. <laughs> thank you for noticing. <laughs> I think you make the first buildings or outhouses. Oh. Right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hey, outhouses? I don't think so. Okay. Just walk into my kid's bathroom sometime. It's the exact same smell. You ever walk into, like, a teenager's bathroom? No. It's, no. It's if, you don't, if you don't have a teenager, that's weird. It's he, horrific. You have a boy, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Now, all, he's is he just missing a lot? It's the only thing I can think of. It's yeah. just it's it's a nightmare. Like, every now and then I have to go in there to, like, replace a towel or something. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go in there like, Dad, you know, Seek's Lincoln or whatever. I go in there, and it's I don't need to go to a haunted house. I just walk into my teenager's bathroom. It's awful. It's like a game of soccer. I won't touch anything with my hands. Yeah, I remember doing that as a teenager. If he's a a teenager, you've missed your opportunity to teach him how to aim. No, it's it's not even about aiming. It's just laziness. You're that window. I know. You can't go back. You're just too lazy to aim. Well, on that note, uh, this is where we say that uh, Good vs. Evil is brought to you by our friends at 808, the titan of Hawaiian restaurants at 2454 East Burnside Try the, or 52nd in Woodstock. Get the crispy Korean wings because they're dynamite. Yeah. The, and, the, and the short ribs. Yeah. And the Korean chicken in any form. Yeah. I like the Korean chicken yeah, thighs. It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. Good it's stuff. It's good. It's good. All right, hour two coming up. Uh, more Ducks talk. Uh, we've got some NFL, and we still need to uh, squeeze in about 75 minutes to talk about an 18-inning World Series game. Oh, yeah, that You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint, 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.